0: That's a clown question, bro. Hi, Mr. Bonnier. So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm
1: not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean.
0: And welcome to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball, kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel?
2: Chris, it has been once again a week. We had some technical difficulties earlier in the week, but we did get a Will Middlebrook segment. We know you guys have been asking for that uh, with a friend of ours, Nico Fisella, Uh, because it was his birthday, and we decided we'd talk about his favorite player ever. Uh, so we got that coming later in the show, but we also got we got some injury news. We got some quarantining, and we got some how about that and slightly alarming. So we also have another segment, uh, Buy or Sell, that we're going to do.
0: Yes, that's correct. We're going to do that. That's a new uh, segment we have kind of timely because um it's about which teams we're, we're naming off teams i'm naming off nl teams uh daniel's naming off al teams you know kind of fringe teams that we don't really know if they're going to buy or sell at the deadline when we're going to give deadline, reactions when that uh deadline comes on uh august 31st, 31st.
2: yep we're about two weeks away now we're close it's creeping up.
0: Yeah, we're yeah coming up coming up uh, pretty soon. Yeah, two weeks, right around uh, move-in day for Springfield College. That's true. That's true. relevant for us. First and day of classes, actually. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we're going to be doing that. It's going to be a fun little new thing that we have going on. But first first order of business, you know, it's been a week since we've talked. And uh, this news
2: came out. Uh, what Monday or Tuesday now came out a while ago now. I'm not exactly sure what day uh, but we have not t- covered it so yeah. Yeah, this um Marcus
0: Stroman um he opted out for the 2020 season uh because of you know reasons that have been expressed before by by other players. Yeah. He was battling a torn calf already. There was some I guess controversy surrounding um, surrounding the move because he uh, made sure that he was going to um, be get enough service time so that he could uh, go into free agency after this year, which is you know it mm. it comes full circle because teams do exactly that yeah uh, in terms of in the next year yeah in terms of you know. Getting an extra year, you know, because the the full service time year is 172 days, and you know, Chris Bryant was in 2015 was on the team for 171 days. Same thing with a lot of players. You know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was as I think, another example. Um, but I think Chris Bryant was the was like the ultimate example because he had an excellent spring training, and he wasn't brought up until. Uh, that extra year was kind of guaranteed for him. So it comes full circle with Marcus Stroman. What are our thoughts about the, the whole situation?
2: Well, I mean, you know, the free agency, I can obviously understand why he's opting out. You know, you have a guy who's injured uh, who feels that he might not be able to produce well enough for his team. And for him, I mean, you don't want to go out there if you're Marcus Stroman injured and then have some of your value sort of tank right before hitting free agency because that could, you know, that could cost you a lot of money, especially in a 60 game season, where, you know, if you make one bad start, you know, even if the rest are pretty good, you're still going to have an ERA, at least in the fours. And I know that people will understand the small sample size, but it's not something you want to have lingering over you when you have a free agency. And this is Marcus Stroman, you know, his chance to, to cash in. I know that he's obviously going to be trying, you know, he's obviously you know, going to compete regardless of if he has the money or not, but this is, this is something he's been waiting for for a while. You know, he's a family guy. He wants to provide for his family down in Long Island and he needs to get his money. And this is his time to do it. And, and you know, you don't want anything in your way with that.
0: Exactly. You know, especially on the free agent market, your, um, your best impression is your last impression in terms of going into the free agent market. That's why, you know.
2: Why don't you ask Nathan Uvalde about that one? Oh,
0: yeah. Nathan Ivaldi, big time. That's the ultimate example. Steven yeah. Strasburg, too. Uh, you know, who knew? You know, heading into uh, October last year, who who knew that he was going to be a guy that got thirty million a year um, exactly in his uh, in his new deal? Who knew? You know, uh, Patrick Corbin kind of was coming off one good year, and he got the about twenty-three million a year there. So Marcus Stroman is is doing the exact same thing, even though you know, people might think injury problem, but even, you know, a torn calf, that's not an issue that you think about with pitchers. That's not like, it's not like a shoulder and elbow injury. You know, I don't think teams are going to be too concerned about that, especially when the pitcher market uh, this upcoming year isn't fantastic. I mean, I know you got Trevor Bauer and what Robbie Ray and yeah. then Marcus, Marcus Stroman was kind of the headliner, until you know I think Bauer is kind of the headliner now. Um, but yeah, Stroman is you know he had a very good year last year. I think it was like a three two two ERA or, or something of that nature. and he wants that to be the last ERA he posted. And I don't think it'll hurt him too much. It, it'll, it'll hurt him a little bit not going out on the mound, but
2: uh, I think he'll be, he'll be fine. So I just have a few notes here. Stroman had a brief stint with the Mets. I think he only started eleven games, uh, but he went four and two with three seven seven ERA, ERA plus in fifty nine innings pitched. I remember when they got him, a lot of people were criticizing the Mets uh, about like, well, they're not going to compete. Why do they want you know Stroman coming into this year? The Mets were supposed to have Degrom, Syndergaard, and Stroman at the top of their rotation, and I think a lot of people tend to forget that, especially because Degrom went down months ago, and so much has happened since March when that news came out. Uh, But, I mean, people forget that Strowman is a really good pitcher, and he's probably going to make a decent amount of money on the market. And, like I said, he's not going to want to waste any of that going out injured and posting a 5 ERA because, you know, he couldn't feel his arm.
0: Yeah, and I believe you meant uh, Syndergaard went down months ago. I think you said DeGrom.
2: I said DeGrom Syndergaard. Yeah, that's what I meant.
0: Yeah, and DeGrom, I mean – yeah, Degrom's gonna just pitch. Degrom's the DeGrom. yeah, yeah, we all he, know got, that get, he got scratched from his last start, but, but he'll be fine. He did. Yeah, yeah. Um, a shame. Everyone loves watching him, watching him pitch. I mean, he, his fastball's gone up, uh, which is insane to think about. It's insane yeah. to think about him improving. Um, Scary, but yeah, that's that's kind of the Marcus Stroman deal. Any anything else on uh, on the matter? Uh, I love Marcus. Stroman and I hope he gets the bag. All right, there we go. Uh, another more pitcher news. Um, so last week it was breaking news for us. Um, mm. I think like maybe a maybe like twenty minutes before the show we got the news that the Indians were sending Zach Polisak home um, for breaking protocol. Um, he's had a response video since then, which. You know, I think garnered him some more. uh, You know, more. I guess
2: sympathy a little bit. Yeah. Still, not something. I saw. I saw a lot of mixed reaction from that video.
0: Yeah, not not exactly something you want to do. Still, not you know. I don't want to make too many excuses.
2: I think it was just better staying silent.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you don't want to make too many excuses. For the guy you, you don't really want to just go out anyway
2: that and but, like you know he's also basically a rookie like he has his rookie year last year like if if Miguel Cabrera were to come out and make that video you know I think he gets a little more sympathy just because he's Miguel Cabrera he's been around he's a first ballot hall of famer if you're Zach sec you can't be doing that
0: yeah 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 I guess you haven't earned there's right there's a much
2: there's a difference of power there and he was on the low end of it
0: correct correct so Uh, There was someone else who uh, was not named in the initial report, but was named the next day. Uh, Mike Clevenger was also out in Chicago and now he is quarantined. I mean, you know, it's good, definitely good on the Indians for sending them both home for sure. Um, But it does definitely take a tax on the starting rotation. Mm. Um, But you know, they still have depth, but it's, you know, you don't want to see sack and, and Clevenger out of the rotation, but unfortunately, you have to.
2: The one thing that I think is really concerning, Chris, I don't know if you read the reports, but apparently when Plesak got sent home, they basically, like, asked around, saying, like, did we do the right thing, or, like, was anyone else out? And from what I heard, Clevenger, like, kind of, like, backhanded was defending Plesak, and then he went on the team plane Uh, back to Cleveland from Chicago and then when he gets on the plane oh by the way I was out too Uh, so I don't know what you want me to do there obviously they make him quarantine Uh, but if that's true that's that's really concerning especially you have to consider please and Clevenger share a rotation with a guy who's still you know recovering from leukemia I mean how do you not you got to be aware of your surroundings there
0: yeah I mean it's uh and I I hate seeing that because I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Mike Clevenger. You know, big fan of like uh, what he's. You know, his his interact. With, with Trevor yeah. Bauer, I know I'm a. I I usually I usually give a shout out to Trevor Bauer like every week. But I say who do I? Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's he's always out there. But you know he, him and uh, him and Clevenger made some videos last year. They're fun they were a fun pair while they were
2: in Cleveland. were yeah, supposed, supposed to start against each other, but that got ruined. Uh, yeah. Because of the
0: delays. Yeah. Cause of rain delays. But that being said, I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it's just not be, it's, it's not good. It's not good to see that. I mean, you don't want to see that you, I don't, I don't know what to, I don't really know what to say there. Uh, you have a team or you have a, a teammate that, you know recovered from leukemia last year and you know I feel like you have to open your mouth immediately then at least you get you know more forg- forgiveness from that and then maybe you could you know it it's a ter- it's a terrible scene i don't really know what else to say about it i think it's kind of concrete as it is um just a a tough scene with with Mike Clevenger there yeah so um more I guess, uh, coronavirus, Major League Baseball news, um, things seem to be getting uh, better, even though, so uh, we got the news,
2: what was it, Thursday? Um, yeah, no, it was Friday. Was it Thursday or Friday? It was like in the last couple of days. Yeah,
0: Thursday or Friday. Got news that a Cincinnati Reds player tested positive and immediately uh, everyone panics. I panic. You panic. The whole, the whole baseball really panic. panics, um, you know, cause we've seen what happened with the Marlins. And then we saw what happened with the Cardinals. You know, the Marlins were off a week Cardinals were off like two and a half weeks and, you know, their whole series against the pirates this weekend was, was postponed. However, um, no one else on the Reds so far has tested positive. And uh, that player who First tested staff member positive has, tested, coach. has tested negative now. Um, so pretty good news from Cincinnati.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely encouraging to see that it might have been a false positive. I know it does kind of take guys out of the rhythm. You know, I bet, I think Trevor Bauer was a little bit upset about it. Um, but you know, the, at the end of the day, you have to, you have to take all of this seriously. I mean, you can't be—you know—the last time it wasn't taken seriously was the Cardinals going to the casino or the Marlins going to the nightclubs, and look where—like, look where that—look where that got them. You know, if you have any signs, you have to shut it down immediately, and you know the right precautions were were taken. Uh, as of now, I don't think there's any update as to if they're going to get back to it this week, but so far, looking encouraging.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that you know after after this um maybe uh if there's if there's one positive test i'm hoping that it's handled more like it was i guess sort of at the beginning of the season remember when like um i think juan soto tested positive for covid like on opening day and they just sent him home and i think they assumed that it wouldn't get passed around for because of whatever precautions they had, and it didn't spread, so I I think, you know, if no one broke protocol, and, you know, someone still got it, it probably, it might not spread, you know, on the field, if you're, you know, practicing with the team, taking BP, so I think that's a, a good sign, I, I, you know, it must have been a false positive, and from, you know, no one has said that Anyone on the Reds broke pro- uh, protocol, so you know. I think that that was just kind of a,
2: a bump in the road. Hopefully, for the, hopefully, false positive in the league. Yeah. What? By the way, I've started thinking: what happens if there's like a false positive? Like, what if Aaron Judge has a false positive the day before like Game Seven of the ALCS? I mean, like, I think people aren't taking into account a team, an entire team can get screwed in the playoffs because of a false positive test.
0: Yeah, I mean I can't imagine like if if uh if it's like game seven and Garrett Cole's about to go yeah. for you.
2: If Garrett Cole's pitching tonight, no he's not. Nope. Get up here, Jonathan Lewizica, you're throwing tonight. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you can't like that's horrible, but that I mean that's the idea of like that that is
2: a real possibility.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a big possibility, yeah, especially with the false positives because you know Real positives are usually happening because of protocol breaking, but no one on the Reds broke protocol from what we're hearing and just a false positive happened. And, you know, their, their uh, three game series got postponed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems the, the handling of this, it's a little, it's a little alarming, but you know, at, as long as there's baseball happening, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have any solutions for you folks. I don't no, know.
2: there is no solutions we had uh, we're just we're just a couple analysts or aspiring analysts.
0: Yeah, as- aspiring analysts. I guess yeah, is
2: fine. We're, we're trying to make it.
0: Yeah, I guess that's what we're uh, what our titles are as of now. But now we can get to some I guess on the field stuff uh, finally as we as we start talking about some on the field stuff. So the Yankees we're definitely the hottest team on the planet at a point, and uh, some bad news hitting them in the past. Pretty much week, John um, Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, and DJ LeMahieu have all hit the injured injured list uh, for the Yankees. Any, what are we? Uh, what are we thinking about about this news?
2: I'm thinking Xander Bogaerts just made the number one play on SportsCenter tomorrow oh wow i going to might be safe but anyway um, luckily for the baseball world neither of these three injuries look to be that serious john uh, carlos ten uh, what well, it was his hamstring right um, i believe it was his hamstring but it was like the lowest possible like diagnosis you could have uh, so he'll he'll probably on the be on the shelf for like two or three weeks if that aaron judge same thing uh, just a strained calf and and once again um, You know, at the 10th day that he's on the IL, he'll probably be uh, close to back. DJ LeMayhew, it was his thumb, right? Yep. Yeah. So thankfully, none of these injuries look too serious. Uh, And I mean, the Yankees, you know, they built a reputation last year of being a next man up kind of team. They had endless injuries last year and they were able to prevail still in 100 games. So this shouldn't affect their on-field play too much. I think the one thing that really does take a sad hit is Aaron Judge is probably out of the MVP race now. Uh, or at least it's, there's a very good chance, you know, if you miss, you know, if you miss 12 games, uh, you're probably not going to qualify for any rate statistics. And that's a huge part of the MVP voting, which is unfortunate because he had a real shot this year. Uh, he was right up there with Mike Trout and the, uh, OPS and weighted runs created plus and all of those. And he was also crushing the ball and he was also pulling the ball, which he sort of got away from, which is cool.
0: Yeah. And even if, even if he does qualify, um, it's still uh, yeah. like he'll be behind and wins above replacement and all exactly. that. And uh, that's-
2: one thing, though, that was very concerning for me is the matter of which the sequence of Aaron Judge hitting the IL happened. So the Yankees have an off day Monday. And on Tuesday, they have a game against the Braves at home. And with the Yankees winning 8-3 in like the sixth inning, uh, Aaron Judge gets pinch hit for, for Mike Talkman. Uh, which is a little weird. You know, they had just had an off day, so it doesn't really seem like he needs rest. But, you know, they're up 8-3, to three, so you could let it slide. And Aaron Boone was asked about it after the game, and he said no need to worry. He was just resting. Uh, everything's going to be fine. He'll be right back tomorrow, basically, is what he said. Uh, so, okay, like, whatever. Got to win. That's cool. Next day, Aaron is not in the lineup, and Aaron Boone is unsure if he's going to be ready for Friday's game in two days. And now it's like, okay, what's going on? Because you told us last night that he was fine. Clearly he's not fine. And he obviously wasn't fine when he was getting taken out of the game. So there's a lot of mixed signals going out here. And then eventually on the IL with a strained calf. Chris, what what is your takeaway from how Aaron Boone handled that? Um, I think.
0: Slightly alarming. That's yeah. what I think about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's uh it's very, if I were a Yankee fan, I'd be very, uh, very upset with Aaron Boone. Um, you want your manager to be very honest, um, very honest with you. And even if like, cause I know some teams will, you know, they don't want to make the injury clear uh, because, you know, they don't want teams kind of um, playing to the player's weakness. Like, you know, if they have a wrist injury, they're probably going to be worse on inside pitches. So you don't want to really explain mm-hmm. that to the public, but you want to you want to be clear that there might be an issue and he might hit the 10-day injured list, where you get or you say like he's got something going on with his uh, leg.
2: make him day to day.
0: Yeah, he's got something going on with his leg. This is day to day. We're taking it one day at a time. Blah 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 blah.
2: Like if you if you land on the IL previously. When you were previously day to day, you know it's it's like okay, well you know it was worse than we thought. We get it. That didn't even happen. They he just went straight up. Oh, like never mind. Not for the next two weeks, never mind. Sorry guys. And New York is the one market where you really can't do that because they're gonna remember that in that media.
0: Oh yeah, that's you know if things go if things go wrong again. I mean that's a that's a second strike, on on Boone. One, fun statistic uh, I have on the matter or I guess, I, I don't know if it's a how about that or a slightly alarming now that they're gone. So entering Sunday, the Yankees were the only team in the league with three players with 50 plus plate appearances and an OPS of 975 or better. And now all three of them are on the end.
2: Oh, oh, that's sad. Uh, I actually also had a note. Giancarlo Stanton, uh, this guy is, I mean, he's been through a lot in his Yankees tenure. It started out with him striking out five times in a game, twice, and getting booed. And then he, you know, went on to do really well in 2018, and then he was hurt pretty much all of 2019, but did well in the play- playoffs. So it's been a roller coaster of a ride. And to start this year, he ranked 13th in the majors in weighted runs created plus with 184, and sixth in OBP with a 453 before going down. He had a slash line of 293, 453, 585 for a 1038 OPS. And it sucked because this was, you know, Probably the best that people were feeling John Carlos Stanton as a Yankee the whole time. And now we have to wait a couple of weeks to see if he can maintain uh maintain the success even though he just dealt with an injury.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's been the story of John Carlos Stanton for a while now. Very yeah. unfortunate. Was he
2: was he that injury prone in Miami?
0: Um, I mean I'll uh I'll look at his reference page because I, I don't remember he, it. Like, to this degree. Not to this degree, but yeah. he did t- sometimes struggle to get to, you know, like 130 games. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're looking at baseball reference. Because yeah. he is, I mean, he's kind of on a Hall of Fame track. He has 40.9 yeah. baseball reference for 144 career, And he's
2: still got 10 years plus on it. He's still got how many years on his deal? Um,
0: 2028,
2: 20, right? So, eight yeah. years? Yeah, I mean he's still got plenty of time to get to. I mean that's eight years to get about twenty more war that gets him to sixty, which is a really good number for him. So I mean, yeah, that would mean he'd have to average out what twenty divided by eight. Uh, How much? How much war would that be per season? Like Um,
0: Like two and a half.
2: Yeah, like, I mean if he, I mean if he, yeah, like he is on a legit Hall of Fame trajectory.
0: Yeah, he's got 311 homers. That's 189 until 500, which is mm-hmm. – um, especially if you didn't test positive for anything, that's pretty much uh, a Hall of Fame election right there. Um exactly. So from 2010 on, season by season, so he played 100 games his rookie year. He was probably called up mid season. Then mm-hmm. 150 in 2011, 123 in 2012, 116 in 2013, 145 in 2014, 74 in 2015, 119 in 2016, 159 in its MVP season, 2017, 158 the year after that, and then 18 last year, 14 this year. So okay, it, so who,
2: who two of those famous, three. like 40 games. Two of those three, like, you know, or actually, you know, all three of those healthy seasons are his best seasons. Like, if you look at Giancarlo Stanton's best seasons, it's, 2017, 2014, 2018, in whatever order you want to put it. I put pre- I, I personally wouldn't put that order. It was 2014. No one was really hitting the ball except for him. And he was crushing numbers like nobody else. Uh, but, I mean, what was the least amount of runs you had in those three seasons?
0: Um, um uh, I just – I Xed out of it. It was uh, – It's got to be like 36, right? I think it was 37. Because he
2: had 59. He was, he had 59. In 2017, I think he had 38 in 2018. And 2014, I want to say it was like 36, 37. Yeah,
0: it was 37.
2: Yeah, okay. So, I mean, people forget a healthy John Carlos Stanton is really, really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he's got a $325 million contract. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why he was probably the hottest commodity after the 2017 season, including free agents.
2: Mm -hmm. He was he was basically a free agent because he had the no trade clause, and I remember he denied trades to go to San Francisco and St. Louis, which led to him in New York. So I mean, like that was basically a free agent saga.
0: Yeah, I mean this this guy was on my um, he was on my on both our uh, all decade teams. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah, I think he for an outfielder had the most uh, home runs of the decade for an outfielder. Yeah. Yeah, the guys
2: – the second outfielder after Mike Trout, both of us, I think.
0: Yeah, that, I, I had him I had him three, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. still, all-decade team, big and time.
2: And last but not least, DJ LeMayhew. We haven't really touched on him as much. Uh, I think we've seen – I mean, if you look at the 2018 and 2019 Yankees, uh, the, the biggest difference in that lineup is the presence of DJ LeMayhew. You know, the 2018 Yankees were famous for exclusively hitting home runs and nothing but home runs. DJ LeMay, did that too in 2019, but he also, I mean, what, what was the average with runners in scoring position, like 980 or something like that? It felt like every time he came up uh, with runners in scoring position, it was just a guaranteed, like, double into the gap, maybe a single through the hole, maybe a home run. Every, anything, whatever it is, he's going to come through, and that is a huge difference in the lineup. You don't get all the time uh, and- He's coming into the agency after this year, so I mean, you definitely don't want to see that for his uh, market value.
0: Yeah, and he was uh, when he went down, he was hitting what four hundred or something like that, just overall. Yeah, no,
2: he was a hundred. Yep.
0: Yeah, and he had a he had a nine ninety OPS, yeah. just un- unreal. And uh, yeah, I mean, sprained. I didn't see how he sprained his thumb uh, yet, but you know, hopefully he'll be back, you know, but, you know, if the left thumb is bothering him, that's big for both hitting and fielding. So you don't want to rush that. Um, You want to, you want to make sure he's there for, you know, the late division push and the playoffs. That's right. But um, yeah, we'll see about, we'll see about him, judge and Stanton. Um, Some more uh, news happening, I guess. Uh, so the St. Louis Cardinals are back playing baseball for the first time, finally, in four, two and a half weeks, and uh, won a series against the White Sox. Uh, they any,
2: swept the. They swept a the doubleheader in that first, uh, in that first day back. Yeah, that's right, and uh,
0: yeah, a pretty good, uh, pretty good first impression from the Cardinals. Um, I guess, I guess it, it's good to see him back.
2: Um, also, Adam Wainwright this season. Uh, his last start, he had a he had five innings pitched, two hits, one earned run, three walks, three strikeouts. He's still dealing. I mean, he's in his he's pushing upper thirties now. Has a one six four ERA this season. Granted, you know I can't imagine he's pitched that much. He's only yeah, only two starts. He's two and zero, and only eight strikeouts in eleven innings pitched. But I mean, you love to see it from him. I mean, he's thirty eight. He is thirty eight years old and still producing.
0: Yeah, that guy, Cardinals legend,
2: yeah. and uh,
0: you know, for my, for my, I I said that uh, I I thought that he would do, you know, continue being pretty good, and that's why I part. He's part of the reason I had them as repeating as National League Central champions. Cubs, the Cubs have something to say about that, though. Yeah, uh, they been doing pretty good. So, so the
2: Cardinals, they have a doubleheader. Uh, is there any particular reason they're waiting till Wednesday to throw Jack Flaherty? I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm looking at this. They have a doubleheader on Monday and Wednesday, and Jack Flaherty is pitching the first game on Wednesday. So that's the first time he's taking the mound. Yeah, and it's weird. It's not like, you know, uh, what team are they playing?
0: Cubs. Cubs. Maybe that reason, but I mean, you still want a good pitcher going out against the White Sox because that lineup's pretty good too.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I don't really I can't really have because like when we remembered uh one thing we were talking about early in the season was like Walker Bueller didn't get a start until like the sixth game of the season.
2: Yeah. When but was, that was but that was to have him face the Astros. Like yeah. they, they figured we don't need him against the Giants. You know, we can beat this team. They ended up splitting the series, so maybe they shouldn't have done that. Uh, but you but could have thrown in the second game against the Astros. There was I like mean, a it, solid reason there. behind it. This one, I don't really understand. Like, you need to, yeah. It is very weird. Like, why not throw in the first game against the Cubs? <laughs> like, you know, don't you want them unless less of a hiatus?
0: Yeah, I'm not. That's, yeah, that's a weird one. I don't yeah, know about that.
2: Interesting, but they have, I mean, they have a lot of catching up to do, which is going to be really tough. Uh, those players are going to be so drained, man. Like, if the Cardinals if the Cardinals make up some sort of postseason, or if the Cardinals win a series, good for them in the postseason. Good for them because they, I don't know how they're going to be able to be, you know, playing on that much fumes after playing endless doubleheaders headers uh, in the last month and a half of the season. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we talked, we talked
0: about it last week, how, you know, they're at a disadvantage, you know, mm-hmm. you can't throw, you know, if you have seven games in five days, you can only throw you know Flaherty, Michaelis, and Wainwright in, you know, and Hudson, and Hudson in one of those uh, seven. In one of those seven games, it's not a f- full rotation. You have to throw in some random guys because you're playing you know seven ga- seven games in five days. Yeah. It's not a normal you know five game rotation. So it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird for them. Yeah. But um. Guess-
2: and not only that, but like on top of all the games they have to make up, they still have an active schedule that is, you know, going through. Like they still, it's like, hey, you've got to make up this game from August 4th, but you also have a game scheduled for August 21st that you still have to play. Like that you can't just, you know, you can't just forget about that game because of the one you missed a month ago.
0: Yeah. And thank God the MLB put in the, made it so that it was East versus East, Central versus Central.
2: That would have been a nightmare. If that was, that was probably the best thing they did uh yeah. yeah in the schedule making
0: yeah because if they had to go to
2: los angeles <laughs> yeah.
0: and then to philadelphia <laughs> you can't do that That'd
2: be a nightmare yeah
0: yeah i i cannot imagine but now we go over to our segment or yeah we'll, we'll go into our buy or sell segment uh fun yeah. little thing just gut reaction of, you know, I think uh, you'll you'll go first with the American League teams. You want to? Do you want to alternate? Uh, yeah, let's do
2: that. All right, how many teams do you have? Just curious. Um, I'm just gonna do five as well. Okay, so we both have five. Cool. Okay. All right, my first team. This team has kind of come out of nowhere and looks really intriguing right now, and it is the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they are 12 and nine, in line for a playoff spot. I don't know what they can sell. That's the that's the thing. Well, actually, I got some I got some notes later on. Um I think they'll it'll be one of those like weird I I
0: can't concretely say buy or sell. I think it'll be one of those weird like retooling things where like you know what you know how like the Diamondbacks and uh, Mariners had that weird did, yeah, Mike
2: <laughs> that was the funniest trade of last year's trade deadline. I think they'll like, do when one the Mariners of that like a league to the diamondbacks uh my my lasting memory of the orioles at the deadline was i want to say it was 2017 when uh they were convinced yeah. that they were they traded for jeremy hallickson and that was their that was their big move and and then they proceeded to suck through the rest of the season and then in 2018 they were like the worst team ever that's yeah. my last thing orioles at the deadline it's like congrats you just got Jeremy Hellickson, that's your you won the Jeremy Hellickson sweepstakes, Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a wild one,
2: yeah. All, all right, right. who was your first team?
0: Uh, my first team, uh, Philadelphia Phillies.
2: This team has to buy, I mean, the like this team is way too big of a payroll and way too much expectations to sell, okay. Um, their lineup, first of all, Bryce Harper, legitimate MVP candidate, Chris, he was your MVP pick. Uh, up until a couple of days ago, he was leading all of Major League Baseball in OPS. I want to see, where does he rank now? Um, Jesse Winker is leading OPS right now, and Bryce Harper is right behind him. Uh, shout out to Jesse Winker for having an 1196 OPS. Bryce Harper is right behind him at 1165. Uh, also, JT Romuto, he's hitting the crap out of the ball. That is a 1071 OPS. Uh, Kutch and Segura still haven't really turned it on yet, uh, but they need, they need a bullpen. Hector Neris cannot be your closer that cannot happen. Uh, have you did you see that stats today they were like they're the worst bullpen like since ERA was like even like a thing. I saw this on MLB's Reddit page today. Hold on. Let me let me find this post that said like the Phillies have like the worst bullpen so far like literally of all time like since ERA yeah, here it is. Hang on. Um it's from the turfsports.com. The Phillies bullpen has the worst ERA since ERA has existed. Uh, they have a ten nineteen bullpen ERA, pretty good.
0: <laughs> ten nineteen, almost up there with uh, Harper's OPS.
2: Yeah. Oh wait, but they never mind. Never mind. Okay, that was earlier, but now it's nine point one two, pretty good. Oh. Yeah, they're 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 giving up a little over a run per inning. Yeah, yeah. they need they need a bullpen piece de- desperately, but I think this team does buy. Uh, maybe Brandon Workman uh, could be available. Maybe Matt Barnes. Uh, Don't Batansis, if well yeah okay maybe possibly yeah.
0: okay in, in division so, trading or interdivision uh, training or trading is uh,
2: yeah
0: a little sketchy especially Philly maybe uh,
2: Ian Kennedy who is someone you mentioned at the beginning yeah. by the way how are they going to mandate like trade deadline pieces with quarantining like if, if if they if the Red Sox trade like I don't know if, if the Red Sox trade Jackie Bradley Jr. to like the Giants, and he has to move cross country. How, how are they gonna do that? Like, does he just um, join the team immediately, or is he like, "Hey, listen, uh, you just try, you just went on an airplane across the country. We're gonna need you to sit out for like two weeks."
0: Yeah, I mean that's a very good question.
2: Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, next, but anyway, yeah, we'll next team is the Toronto Blue Jays.
0: Toronto Blue Jays. <sighs> um
2: they'll buy okay so what what do they buy in like what positions um they will get like a middle of the
0: rotation starter
2: mm-hmm.
0: i i i don't have like you know the full list of yeah but they'll, saying, they'll go after that
2: yeah i mean well i think okay the blue jays obviously a lot of people realize they have a future but I don't think a lot of it comes this year. So I think if they do get a middle of the rotation piece, it's a, it's going to be a guy that has to control. Not going to play, you know, they're not going to like oh, it's their name who we're going to have for a month of uh, separation. We're not going to be limiting that. They're going to have a guy who they can use in potential your playoff runs that as well. won't be this year. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So sorry. my second team, uh, the Washington Nationals.
2: Ah, uh, um, this team buys. Yeah, I'm going to say this team buys. And I think if they – one thing – okay, so I actually – this is the one team that I really looked into before doing this segment. Uh, this team actually does not have any – the only top 100 prospect they have is Carter Kibum, who is currently on the active roster. So they don't really have any big pieces that they can sell. Um, and I think one thing that Mike Rozo doesn't get a lot of credit for is how well he did at the trade deadline last year. Uh, the two names that really stay out to me, Uh correct me there are more, but Daniel Hudson and Ostruvo Cabrera. Um, you know, the two, like, you know, they're not the big move, they're not the big flashy moves on paper, but they got the job done. Daniel, Daniel Hudson at 2015 already uh, after being traded to the Nationals that season. And Ostruvo Cabrera, I don't know if you realize this, but ever since he got traded to the Nationals, uh, he didn't stay there a while ago, but ever since he got traded in 2019. He's a 9.40 OPS, and that is tw- uh, I think it's 21st in the majors, and it's third among second basemen. And he was really effective in the playoffs last year. I believe he got an RBI in Game Seven. Uh, that might have been someone else, maybe. But he was very effective for them. But and I think the National, that's what the Nationals are going to go for. I think they're going to buy, but it's going to be the small moves that might you know have a really good chance of working out. All right. Yeah. So my next team, uh, another team that I really did not think I'd be putting on this list if you told me like a month ago I'd be doing this, but they are also uh, they're above five hundred. Is Detroit Tigers? Uh, they'll
0: still they'll sell, I believe. Yeah, I yeah, it's uh, you know, they're middle of the road right now, but um, you know, they're still up and coming one you know one guy that will stay that you might not have thought was going to stay before the season is probably Matthew Boyd cuz he's not not a lot of market value right now he's kind of struggled as of late I'm pretty sure um, well, one so, of their
2: one of their potential uh trade or trade assets CJ Crone, just opted after the season so uh, that's not going to happen I think maybe really like maybe John maybe he's trading. yeah 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 I'm, now, Maybe Michael. I'm too Ulmer. familiar with the with the
0: Tigers. Uh,
2: Maybe uh, Cameron Maben. Yeah, Cameron.
0: I, I don't know. I don't. I definitely don't see them uh, buying. That.
2: That's yeah.
0: my. That's my gut reaction. Uh,
2: I mean, what I could see is if they. I mean, I think this should happen now, but I could see them trading a starting pitcher and then using that as the reason to call up Casey Mize, even though they should just call him up right now. Yeah. Like, I hate the excuse where it's like – or right now especially where it's like, oh, we're we're developing him or we don't want to rush him. You can't rush someone now. There is no minor league baseball. There is no developing uh, Casey Mize when he's not pitching. I think I made the point before, but it bugs me.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, he was a guy – he uh, was drafted after his junior year of college. He already had the college experience. The Auburn Tigers. He's had a year and a half of minor league experience. they a no-hitter. Now's the time. Now's the time to mm-hmm. to put him in the, in the major leagues.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: So my, my, third. Yeah. my third team, these, these might be a little spicier, the Milwaukee Brewers. Ooh.
2: They just took three from the Cubs, so I'm going to say they buy. I think a lot more teams are going to buy than, people, than most people think because there's expanded playoffs and anything can happen in a short season. I think a lot more teams are going to buy. The Brewers might be the fourth best team in this division. I still think they buy. Um, They've had some intriguing rotation pieces that have looked a lot better than I think a lot of people realize. I mean, a lot of their bullpen pieces, obviously Josh Hader, he still hasn't given up a run. Um, You know, he's been obviously, he's been Josh Hader. David Phelps has been pitching for them. He is a 104 ERA. In, with a 0.69 FIP in eight games, he also has three holds. Uh, Devin Williams, eight games, one oh four ERA, same thing, uh, in two-thirds innings. They have a lot of good underrated pieces that have been. I mean, Corbin Burns, a 3.38 ERA. Alex Claudio at 2.84 in six and a third innings pitched. Adrian Hauser, a 3.27 ERA in 22. Pitch. He was in the uh, Carlos Gomez trade a bunch of years back that uh, Josh Hader was also in, and I think. Corbin Burns is also in. That was a that was a under-the-radar really bad trade. Uh, Brett Suter and uh, Brandon Woodruff have also both been really good. They have a lot of good pitching pieces. I think they could use some more depth on offense. Uh, Justin Smoke has not been too intriguing for them as a DH. 206 average, 614 OPS. Uh, Orlando Arcee has looking good. Yelich 304, 304. Uh, has got to get out of that. You know Yelich and Jura are both struggling. But I think we all know they'll get back to it. Probably struggling with probably get back with yeah, struggling so
0: yeah, yeah, I I'd probably agree with that. Maybe you know, I guess I don't know if it would be out of their price range, pre, quote unquote price range, but like a starter would be nice. Mm-hmm. But those are hard to get, obviously. Okay. Yeah. So your. Fourth American like
2: League team. The Texas Rangers. Texas this, Rangers. this one's a thinker. This one's a big thinker.
0: Yeah, that's a big thinker because they've been, you know, middle of the road so far. They were expected to be middle of the road to maybe above average. Um, they don't have Kaluber for most of the year. Lancelin is looking amazing. Uh, Mike Miner. And how long did that continue?
2: Because he's into his thirties.
0: Yeah, I mean, like in terms of over the years, um, the off. I mean, the Astros just got like three in a row. They're looking more like themselves. They the Mariners. Yeah, the A's. I mean, I think they'll buy because I think they, you know, even at the trade uh-huh. deadline. They'll have an idea of them maybe being able to get the second place spot. Um, you know, the Astros haven't really looked like themselves uh, yet this season. Do you think that division is over? Like, do you think the A's have wrapped it up? Um, you know, not, not quite. I mean, the Astros are super talented and, I wouldn't be surprised if any of their offensive pieces that are struggling now, uh, you know, suddenly just surge. I wouldn't say so now, but the A's are looking amazing right now. But yeah, I think the Rangers will try to get some type of bat uh, in yeah. their lineup.
2: I'm, you know, uh, do you know who their best bat this season has been?
0: Um, well, it's
2: can't be an obvious one. Uh
0: I'm, uh, no.
2: Todd Frazier. Wow. Yeah, Todd Frazier, he had two hits today, and he's up to a 317 average with a 918 OPS. Solid. How's
0: Joey Gallo doing?
2: Uh, 203 average, 830 OPS. So he's back to the stereotypical Joey (laughs) Gallo, where he only hits extra base hits and 20% of the time, if that. How about that? Yep. So...
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah. I th- I think uh, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot more teams that are buying than, uh, than especially
2: with are. the expanded playoff. Like yeah. I think half these teams, like I think the Brewers would sell if there was a regular playoff format.
0: Yeah, and there's not going to be. I don't think there will be. You know, as many giant moves, but the smaller moves are going to be
2: especially because like most of the like you most of the trade deadline deals are rentals, and those are only for a month and not two months this time. Yes. Yeah. All right. So my.
0: Fourth National League team, um, the uh, Cincinnati
2: Reds. This team buys. This team is way too deep. and This team has been rebuilding for too long to to sell again. And this is the year that they had expectations for once. Uh, that pitching rotation is ungodly great. Trevor Bauer is insane. Luis Castillo is disgusting. Sonny Gray is, is amazing. Uh, Anthony Descalfani has been shaky, but he just came off an injury. Um, Tyler Maylie and Wade Miley have potential to be good. Uh, I think I don't. I think that if they don't address the lineup, it's not the worst thing in the world. But they have to get another bullpen piece. Uh, Rice Iglesias has been struggling. Michael Lorenzen has been struggling. Really, the only guy out of that bullpen that has been producing is Amir Garrett, which I which I'm happy to see because I love him. Uh, they lost Jared Hughes this season, I believe, which has been a tough loss to them. Uh, but this team needs bullpen pieces, and they need to—they absolutely have to buy. Like, there's no excuse to sell, with how long they've been selling. All right, mm-hmm. good, good to hear. I would agree with that. I think they'll get a
0: bullpen piece.
2: Yeah. So my last team is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, formerly of California.
0: Um, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I got MLB at that, so I'll see. I can see the record. So they're, they're, they are
2: under five hundred. Oh, uh, to say the least. I mean, this is a team with superstardom question? all around, but they're seven and fifteen. Yeah, I mean, it's a question. So,
0: they when they signed Bundy, was it a one year deal? They traded for Bundy, I thought. Or er, okay, yeah, that that is true. Yeah. Um, I want to see. Uh, I'm gonna look him up on reference.
2: Julio Tehran is not the answer. Uh, he has a twelve thirty eight ERA. That can't happen. Cause like they
0: fixed they definitely fixed Dylan Bundy. Yeah. It's also like this guy. If you want to maybe rebuild, I don't know. Like he can bring over a lot.
2: You don't want to trade him now. Yeah.
0: He's a he's a free agent after the twenty twenty one season. So. I
2: mean, I don't think you trade him now because, okay, I, I, I'll let you give your answer first, but normally you'd see a 7-15 and 15 record and say, oh, that's an obvious sell. But, like, they have two superstars in their lineup. They have Shohei Otani, who, I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to pitch again. We might never know. We might never know if he was meant to be a pitcher here. You have Joe Adell who just came up. And the pitching staff, uh, you know, Dylan Bundy is obviously an ace. Andrew Heaney has looked pretty good. Griffin Canning and Patrick Sandoval have potential and then the fifth starter has been Julio Taran who's terrible. Uh, but for a team with a seven and fifteen record, they look like they should be a lot better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely I'm breaking the rules right now. I'm I'm looking at like the, it's okay. the That's contract okay. years and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh like yeah, you have Trout who uh you, you can't you can't trade Mike Trout. Anthony yeah. Rendon, you just signed, so you can't trade him. Um, you're definitely not going to trade Albert Pujols. No one wants him. Uh, I mean, Justin Upton, you're going to hang on to him. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Andrew Heaney still has control through 2021. Um, Andrelton Simmons is on the IL, so he doesn't have a lot of market value. Uh, Tommy Listella, maybe. I mean, I, he was like voted as an all star last year, but I don't know how he's doing this year. He's uh, good. I mean, I think uh, – I hate to give a, a middle-of-the-road answer, but I, but I think they stay pretty much stagnant this they year. They just
2: don't do anything? That's they, they, Listen, teams do that. That's entirely possible. Yeah. But, like, gun to your head, you had to pick one of the other. Like, gut reaction, what are you going to say? Um, sell. Oh, okay. All right. So, that is the Angels. Your last team is who?
0: Uh, my last team is the Arizona Diamondbacks.
2: Uh, I think this team sells. This team kind of, I mean, I guess the one good example you could bring of them buying was JD Martinez. Uh, But I mean, they also can sell when they have like last year, they sold and and made a run towards the end of the year. Um, I don't think they, I think Robbie Ray goes, I think Robbie Ray gets traded for sure. Um, Even if he's not doing very well this season, you know, everyone knows the guy has potential, whether he's going to show it or not. Uh, I don't really see what they're going to buy. I think this team sells. I think they kind of pack it in. They're like, you know, I get that, you know, they've won four in a row and they are at 500 now. So they definitely have a shot at the playoffs, but out of the five teams, I think this one is the best chance. Of uh, and maybe I mean, selling doesn't necessarily have to mean you give up on your season. Like there are plenty of teams. Like I remember the 2017 Minnesota Twins, they traded uh, – they traded Brandon Kinsler, who was their closer. Guess what? They made the playoffs. They didn't want to expect that. I do think this team still don't know what they're really going to buy. And where Ray goes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember they? Uh, I remember they? Uh, they they traded uh, Kinsler, and they traded Jaime Garcia after his. Yeah, season. that's
2: right. That's right. And then didn't the Yankees trade him and have him for like two seconds? Or was I that think- the Braves? That was the Braves. He went from the Braves to the Yankees yeah
0: it was it was a weird weird little stint there
2: one yeah yep
0: so yeah there's that is our uh segment of buyer sell uh, it was a fun segment kind of brought up last yeah. minute glad we did it and now we go over to uh the main event of the evening i would say Uh we talked about uh we talked about a lot of things with our friend nico facella our our uh, co, our uh, friend from the Springfield College Communications Sports Journalism program. Yeah, by the way,
2: Nico Facella, the host of Bricks and Buckets uh, basketball podcast.
0: Yeah, if you want to get your your basketball fixed, I know it's a good time to listen to anything basketball. So yeah, listen to Bricks and Buckets. Um, I don't have his social media on on par right now. It's at Nico
2: on but- on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Yep, there we go. And, right. yeah, we talked about it, – it's not solely Will Middlebrooks. I mean, that was kind of the the uh, crux. That was kind of the seed Did of it, it. all. But we also talked, you know, 2012 Red Sox. It was very Red Sox heavy. Um, yeah. talked about kind of growing up and learning about the Red Sox, you know, accepting the Red Sox as a losing team in 2012 and kind of their turnaround in 2013 and, like, Will Middlebrooks' career. It was an interesting little segment that kind of went everywhere. So we hope you enjoy this segment. Here it is. Hello and welcome to the Will Middlebrook segment of the show to be named later. You know, we've done, this is our 51st episode and, you know, it's been 51 too long to go without doing a full on Will Middlebrook segment. So we brought... Uh, you know, Daniel and I brought our close friend, a Will Middlebrooks uh, researcher, Will Middlebrooks Stan himself, Nico Fisella, our fourth guest on the program in the program's history. Uh, how are you doing, Nico?
1: I couldn't be better. When you guys reached out. out to me and said, we're doing a Mil-
0: Mil- Will Middlebrooks segment, I couldn't have been more excited. Uh, yeah, it's quite a, quite a scene here going on. I mean... Where do we even start? I mean, he gets drafted in the 2007 MLB draft. 2007 was a good year for the Red Sox because they, you know, they drafted Will Middlebrooks most importantly, and they also won the World Series. But I think the Middlebrooks uh, drafting was probably the most important thing to come out of that year. Um, And then he kind of makes a transition. He goes from like a shortstop to a third baseman, and I remember he was like. When, when did he start really becoming, like, a top prospect?
1: I want to say, I think it was around, like, 2010 when, like, his name really started to become prominent. But then, I mean, once he hit the majors, he kind of came in at the perfect time because 2012 was, it was a dumpster kind of season for the Red Sox. They had literally nobody. So he, he had the perfect year to come up. But, yeah, he was he was supposed to be really good.
0: Yeah, he was uh, quite... Yeah, he was quite the guy, like, this is kind of our new core, like, the, uh, you know, 2011 ended up being a disaster. In 2012, we were kind of sweeping the streets, even before the uh, Gonzalez-Crawford-Punto-Beckett trade, there was, uh, you know, Kevin Euclid was kind of getting run out of town, and Will Middlebrooks was the perfect guy to come in, and he did pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are some great parts to it. 2012, we had, obviously, Bobby Valentine, one of the uh, best Red Sox managers of all time, in my opinion. We saw the start of uh, a great ace and John McDonald come out at the pen to help us out in that 19-inning game. And we had great stars like Ryan Kalish. You brought, brought up Nick Punto. Like, this team was filled with all-stars, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and people were – uh, critical of the Red Sox. I think people were a little critical of the Red Sox after the 2011 season because, you know, they they kind of cleaned house. They got Bobby Valentine, who was kind of a question mark. But people don't realize they brought in reinforcement after reinforcement like Nick Punto. Nick Punto was, like, probably the biggest signing of the year. I mean, he got – for some reason, he got overshadowed by, like, Albert Pujols and Prince Fielder and C.J. Wilson and all those guys. But, you know, Nick Punto – I'm surprised – Uh, that Will Middlebrooks was actually able to take the third base job over Nick Punto. Exactly, and everyone also forgets about, you know, we saw a lot of great superstars on this
1: team. We had the Yankee killer, the original Yankee killer here in Pedro Siriaco, where uh, you could arguably say that he had one of the best seasons for a shortstop all-time.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season you know that that great run <laughs> we had a 200 Ofe- 205 <laughs> OPS plus um, <laughs> go ahead and listen to episode 42 of the show to be named later part one if you want to be hear about Hannes Wagner's career um, but yeah it's probably him and him and Syriaco his greatest shortstop seasons ever yeah Syriaco he was hitting like 370 until like the last week of the season it was insane The
1: 2012 season, that was probably the year that I really actually got into baseball. And as a Red Sox fan, it's ironic because that was arguably one of our worst rosters in recent years. But I thought, you know, I really enjoyed watching Middlebrooks. That's how he really became my favorite player. I really saw him break out. And then when he broke his wrist, man, I think it broke me inside. That that kind of made me just like, it it just hurt me a lot seeing that.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I'm going to, I'm gonna kick it over to Daniel because Daniel's lagging a little bit, so it's hard to, for him to jump in. So in about ten seconds, I think Daniel's gonna go over and respond.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Will Middlebrooks, uh, he made his major league 2012 in May against the Oakland A's, and in his first game, he had two double or no, I'm sorry, two hits, one of them being a double and a stolen base. And he is actually the only player in Red Sox history with two hit double and one stolen base in their major league debut. Also, he's the only third baseman in Major League history uh, with that same debut. So I mean he he had quite a historic first now, day at work.
0: That sounds like there's,
2: there's a case
0: to be made for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, like you know, it it's hard to compare to anyone because no one else did what he did. So, yeah, I mean, if you could
2: judge a player's career by one day, no middle bunch first half.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think also, you know, if you want to, if you, if there was like a one day Hall of Fame, you know, I don't want to bring another Red Sox player into this, but I think Daniel Nava also gets into that Hall of Fame. I was thinking the same thing. Are we talking about that debut? Yeah, I was uh I was at my sister's dance recital when I found out about the great, uh, first pitch swing and grand slam off Joe Blanton, uh, in that twenty ten, uh, Phillies game twenty ten another forgotten Red Sox year kind of a weird one, lots of injuries. Yeah, I mean also I'm gonna get a little off topic here, but we're talking about twenty twelve. Can we at least mention the resurgence of Daniel Bard for a little bit? Yeah, you know what? That's pretty fitting. It's pretty fitting that you know, about eight years after this glorious season uh, concluded. Uh, we're actually seeing, you know, a legend of that 2012 season still kicking in the major leagues and actually doing very well. He's throwing gas. I, I love
1: it, man. Like, now the only thing I'm waiting for is because what? I think Bard was out of the league for like six, seven years. I think like close to eight. But I want a Middlebrook's comeback. I know he retired on his terms, but come on. Can we, can we get this wig back together?
0: Let, let let let's go crazy. Come back. Yeah, I mean, I think he he owes it to uh you know not only the world of baseball to have, you know, kind of a farewell tour, a, a Derek Jeter, Mariano Raves, Rivero esque farewell tour, David Ortiz esque farewell tour. But you know, he owes it to himself. He deserves it. He deserves it for being one of the greatest Red Sox third baseman. Uh, of all time. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a nice stat on his twenty twelve season. Um of all Red Sox third basemen in their rookie season, of all Red Sox Red Sox players in their rookie season who played fifty percent of their games at third base and had at least two hundred fifty plate appearances, his OPS was the best in that group uh, in a rookie season. So how about that? I don't have the drop, but how about that? I want to stay with his rookie season because
1: I'm going to I'm going to say something bold here. But at the time when he played, he, his last game was August 10th against the Indians when he broke his wrist. But at that time, he was having better numbers than Bryce Harper. And I I think that him breaking his wrist was ultimately his downfall because when you look at his career, I think the biggest thing that stands out is the guy just couldn't stay healthy. He got a ring in 2013 and the most amount of games he's played in the season was that year with 94. But in 2012, he was swinging the twig, man. He was one of the few, like I said, he's one of the few bright spots of this team that I actually enjoyed to watch. But injuries just kept derailing his career. And it just, it was sad to watch as he he just kept trying to do everything he could. But he, what, he struggled with hamstring problems. Well, of course the wrist, but then he had hamstring issues, a bunch of concussions. And then, you know, he's making that comeback tour in 2018 with the Phillies. And he breaks his leg. And then that's when he hangs up the cleats. So it, it, it just hurt to see that. His body was failing on him when he clearly still wanted to be in the game
0: yeah that's very true very good point you bring up there uh daniel do you have anything to add to that
2: um yeah i mean i obviously you never want you know it's always really sad to see a guy's career sort of derail or books did because of injuries uh i mean but he never really even got much of a chance i mean there are so many you know people forget how Good, he was looking in that 2012 season, and I have, you know, like I said, like you mentioned, you know, best uh, OPS of any Red Sox rookie third baseman. Uh, but I mean, it's yeah, it is unfortunate, like you mentioned, because he had. I think a lot of people forget now that we're so far removed from it how much potential he really had at that time.
0: Yeah, and uh, what I would say is it kind of let like Will Middle, you know. Kevin Euclid was kind of the guy at third for a little bit, and there was Mike Lowell before him. There's Bill Miller before him. There was kind of a, a rotation of, you know, above average, at least, third baseman uh, on the on the baseball field for the Red Sox, and Will Middlebrooks was supposed to be that guy. And then they had, you know, come after 2014, uh, they have a little bit of a hole at third base. They, they didn't believe in Garen Cicchini enough, and then they signed – and then uh, and then you're in a bad situation with, with that guy. And then finally, we we have Rafael Devers. But, I mean, it, it kind of led to a, a little downfall at third base for the Red Sox.
1: Yeah, I mean, just the third base has just been a weird thing. I think in, in the recent years, the two things I believe in is if you get the number 23, you're unlucky. Things aren't going to go so well. That's why I'm crossing my fingers Chavis breaks this. But the thing is, too, Middlebrooks, really, after his rookie season, that just showed that we really had no depth at third. And when you're looking at a GM that we had, Ben Charrington, at the time, who praised a farm system, you brought up Chichini, which that just gave me major flashbacks of a failed prospect. But one thing with the Red Sox, too, is they bring up guys. and I think one big issue they had in, like, 2013, 14, 15, is they really struggled to give these guys sustainable playing time. I would bring up some names like I think we failed Jose Iglesias him getting out of Boston was one of the best things for him because we never really played him enough another guy Ryan LaVarnway I mean you can even put Kalish in there I mean he played in 2012 but we had a lot of prospects come up and we just sent him up for an at-bat send him back down and then two days later hey you're playing again come back up and you can't really expect these guys to actually get adjusted to the major league level when everything just keeps fluctuating
0: yeah I would agree with that I mean I would say uh, Brian LaVarnway made me um, made me have a bad taste about prospects in general for about till about like 2018. I don't, I don't know until like until like the core of the Red Sox kind of set out. I' truly believed in prospects once like Bogart's bets uh, and Bradley kind of worked out. Uh, that's when I started believing in prospects again, but Brian LaVarnway – Made me just not believe in prospects, ever.
1: Well, I, I lost hope when um, I heard everything about Henry Owens. He,
2: <laughs> he, he
1: was a special one.
2: We, yeah. we refused to trade Cole Hamels for Henry Owens. Good times.
1: <laughs> so they put too much hope into a guy that never panned out. And, like, that's how prospects work. I mean, if you, when you talk about NBA, NFL, NHL, like, you look at the drafts, those guys are going to make immediate impact. But look at a baseball draft from, like, say, 2010. Look at how many guys in the first round aren't really prominent stars. The MLB be yeah, drafted is. just wild.
2: You guys remember Trey Ball? Mark Capel? Yep. Trey Ball. The number seven pick in 2013, uh, Austin Meadows was taken. Aaron Judge was taken that year. Tim Anderson was taken that year. Uh, the Red Sox, I mean, not the, obviously, you know, it's very hard to tell that far in advance, but the Red Sox, they passed on that many guys uh, to get Trey Ball uh, at, the, at the number seven spot in 2013. So that was a fun one.
1: Yeah, and even then, like, I, as I said, I'm really not high on prospects. But looking at what Bloom's done with this past draft, I'm actually excited. I really like the Blaze Jordan pick. I like the strategy he took with that, kind of reaching with the first pick and then going really high on a later pick. I have faith in Bloom because, I mean, to be honest, with Red Sox fans right now, we don't have much faith to put into anything, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. The only thing you can hope for is a good future. Now, I mean, I I came on from Middlebrooks. Where are you Um, on? I still want to praise
1: my king up here. Want to talk about my superstitions? Because I know I know you guys are both statistics guys. I am myself, but I think the three biggest downfalls to Will Middlebrooks were: number one was the wrist injury. I think that really just shut like it. it just started his career of injuries that he was never going to be able to come back from. Another thing, I didn't like how he changed his number. I thought that sixty-four. I think it was. It's a unique number for a guy that's having a great rookie season. No one else is wearing sixty-four in the majors. That's your number. Kind of like how Seth's for fifty two Like, it was just weird, but it works for him. And then three was just how he switched bats. I think in 2012, he used a lot of, like, black bats, and then he kind of switched over using a lot of, like, tan and stuff, which I sound crazy saying this right now. But then again, in 2012, I was probably 11 years old, and I was like, these are the reasons he's not doing well anymore. Bring back the bat. Change the number. But – I, I gotta do anything to to
0: save my king right now yeah it's uh yeah you know you it's all it's all hindsight now what could have been what could have been d anything anything more on on the career of the great will middlebrooks or even you know the 2012 Red sox I will say that
1: I think one of – other than winning a ring with the Red Sox and having one of the – as we talked about a, a historical rookie season with the Red Sox, my guy was also pretty nice off the field. I mean, Jenny Dell, guys,
0: any comments? Uh,
2: good choice. <laughs> the, the best will ever – forever John Farrell had an affair with – Moran, that that one will forever go on in my heart.
1: We say that again.
2: You guys remember when John Farrell was like possibly having an affair with Jessica Moran? Who was like a media member as well. Oh John, oh John, I I do remember
0: that. Was that like 2015 or 16? Something like that. Hold on, let me look it up.
1: We're talking about the 2015 season here. Yeah, I mean. Well, there wasn't much to look at.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica Moran resigned amid questions about it in 2016. Yeah,
0: 2016. No, no comment. <laughs> well. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good stopping point for this segment. Um, (laughs) We're going to wrap up this segment. We would like to thank our good friend, Nico Facella for stopping by uh, the show to be named later. And we are going to get right back to you with our how about that's slightly alarming statistics and our preview of the uh, upcoming week or weekend. We don't really know when we're recording this next episode, but see you then.
2: All right, what a segment.
0: What a segment. Uh, We would like to thank once again, Nico Facella for coming on the program. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to get into our how about that for uh, the past week, our edition of our Sunday, August 15th edition of August 16th edition of How About That. Um, who do you have for your How About That?
2: So I, have, I have two players today, uh, one of which was a team we just talked about at the end of the Buy or Sell segment, Starling Marte. This guy has been one of the best players in baseball for the past calendar year plus. And since July 24th of 2019, uh, he is tied for 16th in the majors with 147 weighted runs created plus, and since that time, he has a slash line of 336, 402, 525, 927. That 402 OBP, by the way, that ranks eighth in baseball since that date. That is July 24th, 2019. Starling Marte has been doing it for the D-backs. He has like a low nines OPS this season with high average. Uh, he's the right spot on an offense that hasn't really been able to get it going, uh, Extremely well, and he's been one of the best players in baseball. He's been very overlooked. So my second, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, so my second, how about that? We mentioned the Orioles earlier, and how how are they how are they pulling this off? How are they twelve and nine right now? You know who do they even have? Well, they got Renato Nunez, who hit thirty home runs last season, and since July thirty first of this year has a 201-weighted runs created plus coming into Sunday. That ranks 13th in the majors. Also since then, 446-443-62 40, for an 11 OPS. Renato not- Unias has been whole case the Orioles offense. Keen any N.E. two home runs today. But that's the reason the Orioles have been doing strangely well. Yeah. How about that? It's my... First, how about
0: that player? I have uh, I have a player, and I also have sort of a, a team or like Ooh. a section of a team.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So my how about that player is Max Freed. So, yes. So, you know Mike Soroka, he gets injured, and don't get me wrong, that's a very serious injury, a very big blow to the Braves starting pitching staff. But Max Freed has definitely been picking up uh, Mike Soroka's load at the moment. So Max Freed, his season, he allowed two runs in his first start, one run in each of the next two starts, and no runs in his next two starts after that, which are his last two starts. So it's been two runs, one run, one run, no runs, no runs for Max Freed. So that results in a 1-2-4 ERA. For Max 2 one two four in twenty nine innings pitched, he is yet to allow a home run as well, and you know, one two four ERA. Sometimes, you know, peripher Sometimes, you know, you can get a one two four ERA and get sort of you know lucky, as people say. And you know, his strikeout rate, his uh, strikeouts per nine is less than nine. So you think, oh, it's, he's not a high strikeout guy, and you know, he, uh, he has a low ERA. Maybe he's getting a little bit lucky. However, I'm saying anyone who's thinking that is wrong. He's in the 90th percentile in exit velocity against. And he's in the 82nd percentile in hard hit rate against. And also in the 90th percentile in expected slugging against. And Max Fried is tied for second in pitcher B-War in Major League Baseball coming into Sunday and also his five games with five plus innings pitched less than five hits allowed and less than three earned runs allowed are tied for the most in a team's first 22 games How about that? so he's been carrying care. the load he's been carrying the load for the Braves the Braves are actually five and zero in games that he starts they are eight and ten in other games also uh, this is kind of a how about that, but also a slightly alarming. So, the Braves starter ERA with Max Fried is 5.21. Without Max Fried, it's 6.92. So, Max Fried has definitely carried the entire Braves starting pitching staff.
2: Yes. And
0: uh, that's why he's my how about that player of the week. I have an answer
2: for the Braves starting pitching rotation. But that's yeah, you might. You might very well. Because Max Reed. His name is Ian Anderson. He's in That's the minor. correct. And he just pitched six innings with 12 strikeouts and two end runs in the same game and zero walks. And he's from upstate New York.
0: Yeah, you might need an Ian Anderson in that rotation. He's got his yeah. his ETA is this year, right? It's right now. His yeah. ETA
2: is right now. Get, get him up here.
0: So my uh, how about that team is uh, kind of an offshoot of one of your How About That players. I'm looking at the Baltimore Orioles' offense. Yeah. Their, whole, their whole entire offense. They have – this offense, you know, headed by Renato Nunez. Right. Has carried the team to a very solid record, a very solid uh, 12-9 and record. And these stats are coming into Sunday, and I don't think these stats really dropped off. I mean, they scored five runs today. They did lose, but they did score –
2: Five against Scherzer
0: too. Yeah. 5 runs all off of Max Scherzer. Yeah. 3 home runs. Yeah, they were they were unbelievable today uh, offensively at least. And coming into Sunday, you know, this this is stuff cuz it's not updated yet. We are recording on Sunday, Sunday night. And coming into Sunday, the Baltimore Orioles were second in the MLB in team OPS, fourth in runs per game and tied for first in doubles. Also, they have five, coming into Sunday, they had five players with 50 plus plate appearances and an OPS of 900 or better. Uh, And no other team in baseball has more than three such players. How about that? And those five players uh, coming into Sunday, Renato Nunez, Jose Iglesias, Rio Ruiz, Uh, Pedro Severino and Hanser Alberto. And someone that is also going to have it also right now has an OPS of over 900 and also 50 plus plate appearances, Anthony Santander. He had two home runs today. He had two home runs today and he rose his OPS to 935. So there's another guy with an OPS above 900. So, the Orioles' offense—they're looking extremely good right now, um, and I don't know—I don't know if it drops off. I'm, I'm not sure.
2: It'd be cool. I mean, people forget they don't have Trey Mancini either. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Like Trey Mancini is the best offensive player on this team, and he's—you know—we hope he's doing well. He had—he uh, had cancer. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, colon cancer, I believe it was. Yep. So uh, wherever he is, we hope he's doing the absolute best. But it's awesome to know that the offense is is uh, picking it up without him.
0: Yeah, they've been uh, they've been quite quite unreal. So now now we go over from the highs, the positives, to the lows, the negatives. This is our Sunday, August, or I guess when the episode comes out, Monday, August seventeenth, version of Slightly alarming. So, do you have? Uh, I I personally have come unprepared, empty-handed, because okay. my pitcher, uh, my pitcher from uh, Thursday, I was gonna. He was slightly alarming on Thursday, but he pitched today, did pretty well, so he's not slightly alarming anymore. Uh, like fires are off the hook. Yeah, he's off the hook for now. Uh, someone who
2: is not off the hook, however, is someone who was supposed to be in the Cy Young conversations this year. But it's made four starts, Chris. Hasn't even qualified. Hasn't even pitched enough innings to qualify. Do you know who who I'm talking about?
0: Um, Oh.
2: Oh. Okay. Not enough innings to qualify. And was supposed to be in the Cy Young conversation. It's not Jack. I mean, Jack Flaherty, I guess, would anyway, because the Cardinals have only played a few games. Alex Verdugo said a double. I'm blanking. All right, it's Walker Bueller. That's right. Walker. Yeah, Walker Bueller this year. First of all, a 521 ERA is, is bad enough. But then he added in the fact that he is a 635 FIP. That is problematic. He's actually, he's actually lucky to have a 521 ERA. It should be worse. Uh, that's a big problem. So let's dive into why. I have a couple things. First of all, his barrel percentages are way, way up from where they were last year. He is in the ninth percentile. Of barrel percentage, which is you can't you can't have that, uh, and particularly his curveball. Uh, last year, the barrel percentage on his curveball was 5.6 percent. Barely one in twenty batted balls were barreled. This year, 37.5 percent. That is a huge increase. And I know it's a much smaller sample size, but even then, that's still that's still slightly alarming. That that many that percent of people are barreling up his curveball, And it's not like he's throwing it less either. He's doing it the same amount as he was, you know, the year before. And the other thing, uh, he's thrown 30 sinkers this year, and he's not a sinker ball pitcher, but 30 sinkers. And the 30th one he threw was the first swing and miss that he got. Slightly so Walker alarming. Buehler, yeah, Walker Bueller, very, very alarming. If, if you really want, want to make that case, um, he is a BABIP against of 176 – or 167, I'm sorry, 167 BABIP against. So he's, he's lucky to only have a 5 to one ERA. It should be a lot higher.
0: Yeah, that is insane. I did not yeah. – I did not realize that. I've only watched
2: like two of his starts this year, but – He went four I, and two-thirds against the Angels last night. He has 19 innings pitched on the year total. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I expected him to be. Yeah, you
0: expect yeah. him to be, to be like top five in the Cy Young this year. Mm-hmm. Not happening uh, as of now. Definitely so not. that was a that was a good, slightly an alarming to bring up. I had no idea that the issues were that but I bad. I
2: thought like I'll, I'll I'll send you the chart of the the, the barrel percentages per year. The curveball just goes like like it goes way up, and it's it's very bad. Yeah
0: yeah that's tough well now uh from slightly alarming we go into our pretty much our uh preview our week preview for i guess the next three or four days of baseball until we get into our uh midweek show which will hopefully be happening this week um so uh any uh any particular any particular series or players uh, we are looking for uh, this, this upcoming week.
2: Yeah. Uh, number one thing I'm looking at is Rockies versus Astros. These are both teams that have something to prove. The Rockies need to prove that they're legit. The the Astros need to prove that they don't need trash cans to hit the ball. And you got – I'm looking at the matchups right now. Uh, looks like the series opens with uh, – oh, boy, we got Kyle Freeland against Brandon Balak. Balak? who is 2-0, oh, the 160 yards compared to him. Yeah, have uh, a lot of rookies out there this year. Uh, date uh, Tuesday, uh, Antonio Tello versus Zachary. It's a more recognizable matchup between those two. And the uh, TV versus TV on Wednesday. Is it a four-game series or a three. Four-game series, that's just a color off. Okay, so you got a four-game series there. Uh, like I said, two teams that have something to prove in different cases.
0: Yes, that's a, yeah, that's, a that's, a, that's a very good point. Very good point. Rockies are a team that people feel are probably overperforming, and the Astros are a team that are people are perceiving are underperforming. Uh, just uh, one pretty glaring series I'm looking at. It's a it's ultimately a five gamer because of all the double headers. got uh, The series Cubs Cardinals. Um, yeah. The Cubs currently the top dogs of the National League Central. And the Cardinals are the defending top dogs of the uh, National League Central. So it's an interesting dynamic of how they will be playing two doubleheaders uh, in three days and also a game in between there, making it a five-game series. So it's kind of a thing of like, can the Cardinals kind of gain some ground, play, play some catch-up in that division, or are the Cubs going to remain at the top, especially in terms of, you know, win winning percentage, I think that'll be a, a very important series in how we uh, view the the playoffs this year. You know, who's going to be, you know, a division winner, who's going to be, you know, maybe a second place or second place team or a team that might not even get in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Uh, one last thing I want to say quick before we wrap up the show, uh, happy 100th anniversary to the Negro, to the Negro leagues.
0: Yes. Yes. Very, uh, yeah, 100th anniversary. I, were there any throwbacks today?
2: Uh, the Marlins had some nice throwbacks that I saw.
0: Yeah, so that's good. That's good to see.
2: Yep. The, you see that all around, the, the
0: cap tipping, as there uh, mm-hmm. very well should be. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a weird one because it's like, you know, you know it was very important, but you definitely wish that it wasn't necessary but
2: yeah, you
0: do have to tip your cap to, uh, to those
2: Satchel Page, Josh Gibson, Jackie Robinson, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. That's only some of them. Cool Papa Bell.
0: Yeah, Shout out to yeah. those guys. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there's so many, so much talent that you know we don't really know how they rank in terms of history because of uh of the discrimination that was happening before, you know, nineteen. 19- yeah. 19 before integration, uh, happened in 1947. Yep. So that wraps up the show. Uh, pretty good, pretty good show. It's going to, it's going to be a pretty lengthy one, especially with our, um, Will Middlebrook's 2012 Red Sox segment. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. If you're listening on Apple podcasts and or Spotify, um, I don't know Apple podcasts or Spotify. I don't know why you would listening, be listening to both. So I guess it's and or wouldn't really make sense. But if you're listening to an Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, and you want to watch this talk, uh, go to our YouTube channel. It is called Now with Chris Gianta and Daniel Curran. If you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel at Daniel underscore Curran. He's also that same, also has that same username on Instagram. Right. And if you want to follow the same, If you want to follow the show Instagram, it is at STBNL podcast, Uh, basic, basic stuff. And we hope you enjoyed our weekend recap episode, our Monday, August 17th episode. And we hope to see you on Thursday for our midweek little recap. See you on Thursday.